Have your Bibles. Please, have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel. And we're going to be looking at chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 a little bit. I wish I could just read three chapters, but I really sense that it um, be good just to um, focus on a few things that we can learn from Samuel. As you may know, we're doing a series called Young and Free. Is there no series picture? I'm sorry. Young and Free. When it comes to believing in God, age is no limit. And there are people in the Bible that God used amazingly. Old people, young people. Men, women. In fact, God even used animals to do amazing things because God is able to do that. And this series, this hopefully will go through the first term of school to encourage not only our young people in our midst, that is the people under the age of <clears throat> Hand up if you're a young person here. Yes, good to see. That is good to see. Awesome. Awesome. We've all been young um, physically, and some of us just change on the outside, don't we? Yeah. Hopefully we mature a little bit on the inside as well. <laughs> but I think these, these sermons or these, these people, these characters we're looking at where, who God uses, these young people that God uses, I think it's not just a sermon for young people. Right? It's not just a message for young people, and I know you guys would know that. There's stuff that we can learn too. We can actually learn from not only the young people in the Bible, but the young people in our lives. We can actually learn from them. All right. It's really cool how God uses young people. Last week we had Lindsay, my father-in-law, preach. Uh, and he, anyone, remember what that was about? This is great. Often when you say something like that, what was the last week? There's fear on people's faces. Yeah, feeding of the 5,000 and loaves and fishes and, and a little boy's lunch that he brought, and he said, this is all I've got, okay? He's a young person, and he's a young person who gave all that he had, and it was really pathetic, in a sense, what he gave to Jesus, but no one else gave anything, and he gave what he could. And I'm sure there was a lot of older people around looking at that going, you know what, I could give, I probably could give, you know, some, something out of my pocket next time. But Samuel is someone we're looking at tonight. Samuel is a, an interesting young man. In fact, throughout the first three chapters of the book of 1 Samuel, he's, he's, he's introduced as the boy Samuel or the teen Samuel. And the most important thing that we can learn from Samuel, I think, is that he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord, S-O-U-G-H-T. He, he, he was a seeker after the Lord, like himself, on his own, not in a group with others that were seeking the Lord, though that's good. You know, it's good to be able to gather together with other people who seek the Lord. It's really good. But what God really desires for us is for each one of us to come to him every single day. Who's spoken to God today? That's a good question to ask ourselves, you know. It's really important to do that. And I'm so glad that you guys put your hands up. <laughs> but Samuel was, ended up, his life ended up being influential. He was an influence for the kingdom of God, for Israel. He was the guy who God used 
to choose King David out of a out of a group of buff looking young fellas. He was he was so sensitive to the voice of God, to the to the spirit of God, that he said he he knew that there was someone else who wasn't in the room that God had chosen for king. And so he asked Jesse, no, no reference to Yesa today, but he asked Jesse and and he found out that there was another boy, just David. And so we end up knowing the story about David, who we will look at probably in about four weeks as a, in his youth. But Samuel was influential. He sought God. Like he didn't just listen to anyone. He listened. He sought to listen to God. All right. That's, that's the that's the take home for tonight. Young people, seek God. Just seek God. Don't don't seek following other people around you. Though that's good. Um, there needs to come a point in every young person's life where their the faith of their parents becomes their own personal relationship with Jesus. Right. So it's something like that's not rostered on the fridge <laughs> that you have to do, but something that's in your heart that you want to do. Does that make sense? All right. He sought God. And you know why he sought God? Just a few things, I think. He sought God because his mum did. His mum did. His mum sought God. If you just turn to the first chapter of Samuel and in um, verses 9 to 11, we see the situation, uh, while you turn there, I'll just give you the background. Uh, Elkanah is Hannah's husband, and Hannah is Samuel's mum. And Hannah is uh, unable to have children to Elkanah. And she gets teased by the other women in Elkanah's life, and she can't have children, so she, there must be something wrong with her. You know, God must have cursed her, and that's what they were thinking, right? But Elkanah still loved Hannah. All right, and Hannah still went with Elkanah to the temple to worship God. And we see on one situation in verse 9, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, which is the, the temple, the tabernacle, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish and crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. She prayed in the temple and she prayed in deep anguish. In fact, she gets ridiculed by the priest as some kind of drunkard, maybe drinking too much wine. Something's wrong with it because the way she's praying is different to the way the people around her at the temple, the place of God, are praying. She's passionate. She's a seeker. She is seeking God. She doesn't care what anyone else thinks. She is she's audaciously and passionately and powerfully, desperately needing God to step into her life and make a difference. That's the kind of prayer that God goes, what? What were you saying? He, it gets his attention. He loves prayers like that. Because what we find what we find is that he answers this prayer, which is beautiful, in uh, verses 19 to 20. The entire family 
got up, sorry, chapter 1, right? Verses 19 to 20. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah, where they lived. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. Woo! She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Now, Samuel is his Hebrew name, and it's made up of two different words, and it, and it means asked of the Lord or heard by the Lord. So it's kind of got this meaning where there's this, there's the human side of things, asking of the Lord, and then there's the divine side of things, God's part, where he's hearing to the, the prayer. So it's this conversation, this this. This, you know, it's a two-way street, prayer. God is listening, we are speaking. And the same works the other way too. When God is speaking, we should be listening. Sometimes though we, um, I know me anyway, I sometimes I don't shut up long enough for, to, to, to hear what he's saying. And I don't mean like verbally, I just mean in my life I'm so busy sometimes, I don't hear what he's saying. It's really important to do that. But Samuel had that as an example. He saw his mother's passion. He saw how she sought God. And so Samuel sought God. And then now skip over to um, verse 24 and 28. What we see here is um, Eli's, Eli the priest has got two sons, right? Now these guys are professional in the, professionals. They're priests in the temple, okay? And so they're helping people bring sacrifices they're helping them to worship God, right? So Eli is the head priest, and his sons are Hophni and Phinehas. Really weird names. But these guys are responsible for helping people to worship God, all right? They're like professionals, professional Christians, paid pastors, whatever. And yet we read in the Bible that these two men did evil. Verse 24. You must stop. Oh, hang on. Chapter 1, verse 24, Ian. <laughs> when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh, sorry, and they brought along a three year old bull for the sacrifice and a basket full of flour, wine, sacrificing the bull. Sit down, do you, uh, sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. I'm ahead of my, I'm behind myself, I'm sorry. So we're looking at Samuel still, not, our, not um, the two sons of Eli. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request, said Hannah. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. Okay, so I forgot that important part, right? When, when Samuel became three years old, he was dedicated and handed over to the temple, to Eli. Eli was then responsible for this, this child, this boy. And this boy served in the temple as well. And then what we see is Eli's actual sons, all right? Hophni and Phinehas. And they, in, in verse 12 of chapter 2, over to chapter 2 and verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. 
you, you just stop there in verse 12. Like you think you're talking about some kind of, I don't know, drug dealer or gang leader or, I don't know, I don't want to say lawyer or real estate agent, but, you know, like some kind of person who's in it for themselves. No offence to any of... I've just blown it now, haven't I? But you'd think he wouldn't be talking about someone that worked in a temple, someone who worked in worship. These guys were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. Why were they Why were they there? What were they doing? What was their purpose? Verse 13, or for their duties as priests. And it goes on. I won't read it, but you can read it in your own time. It basically goes on to say what they did and how they ripped people off and how they seduced women that worked at the temple, for goodness sake. Like, it's just ridiculous to think about that. And these men were responsible for helping others worship God. It's really sad. But God had a plan. He always does have a plan. And that's where Samuel comes into this plan. Because Samuel is contrasted to these two, two sons of Eli. These two sons of Eli are professionals. They probably know how to do things, how to say things, you know, the right way and everything. And Eli um, hasn't been watching them or hasn't has just let them continue in their, in their um, scoundrel behaviour. But, but Samuel, he didn't look up to them. Where did he look? To the Lord. He was a seeker of God. He sought God. Even when Eli's sons sought their own way, Samuel sought the Lord. In fact, it says in verse 18 of chapter 2, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. The literal, literal reading of that is that he ministered to the Lord. He ministered to the Lord. Why do you guys come to church? Jesus. Yeah. yeah, to worship God. To worship and to minister to him. That's the idea. To, to come to him, to set your heart's focus on him and to listen to what he's saying. And hopefully he's saying something to you as I'm expanding the scriptures. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is working and moving and, and encouraging and equipping and all of that. But we come for him. We come to minister to him. And, and Samuel was there for that very purpose, to minister to the Lord. Anything that wasn't the Lord wasn't worth anything. If, if it wasn't God's plan, it wasn't worth anything. So out of his seeking the Lord, guess what happened? God spoke to him. Out of him setting his heart towards the Lord and, and not following the people around him, who should have known better? He got a message from God. Samuel got a message. It says in chapter 3, turn with me to chapter 3. Even though he didn't even know God, right? He wanted to know God more. He wanted to seek his voice. Um, chapter 3, verse 7 says these words. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the Lord, sorry, because he had never had a message from the Lord before. He didn't know the Lord, but he wanted to. He wanted to know the Lord. All right, look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. 
Messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I wonder why. I wonder why. You look at the people who should have been representing God to the people and representing the people to God and the way they were living should have known better. God wasn't able to move in that atmosphere. He wasn't able to bring messages. He wasn't able to show visions because people's hearts were callous and they were turning away from God and they were going after their own things. They was resistant to the spiritual things of God, to, to the spirit of God. Phinehas and Hophni couldn't care less about God. They just wanted things to look good and run fine and feel good about it. But Samuel, Samuel comes in at, in this season where there's no messages not all, or there's, there's not very many messages from the Lord, very rare, and there's quite there's not uncommon visions. And Samuel enters into this scene, he's in this environment where one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And Samuel is lying down, we see. He's sleeping. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was asleep in the tabernacle near the ark of God. He was asleep in the tabernacle near the ark of God. You know where the what the presence of God was resting upon the ark of God. So it's in a sense, what the writer of 1 Samuel is saying is that this kid, this boy, he probably was about 12 in this scene. He was 12. And he just couldn't, he just wanted to get as close as he possibly could to God. He, he saw it in his mum and, 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 that, and he just wanted it for himself. And it says that he was lying down. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's the menorah. So when you go into the holy place, you see on the left there's this lamp of God, which is the menorah, and there's its candles. It's a big, massive candelabra, right? And then on the right-hand side, there's a bread ta the table with bread on it to remind that God provides in the wilderness and whatever. And then further down, there's, a, there's this little altar where there's incense and there's, there's prayers and incense and there's a sweet-smelling fragrance. Behind that is the Holy of Holies, which has got the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God resting between the cherubim on there, right? And Samuel, 12 years old, is sleeping as close as he can. If he goes behind into the Holy of Holies, he'd burn into ashes but he gets as close as he can. I think God was smiling when he saw this 12-year-old doing that. But Samuel heard a word from God. He got a message from God, right? And I think he got a message from God. And by the way, who wants to hear from God? I know I do. That's a prayer that I pray a lot. Lord, I want to hear your voice clearer and clearer every single day. You know what? It's it's a good thing to to pray, but to be honest, like I don't understand the people. I don't. Know, I've never really met people like this, but I'm sure they're out there. The people that just talk to God. I mean, the, the people that God talks to every day. Have you ever met people like that? Mm -hmm. It's like they have a conversation with God continually, all the time, twenty four seven. God said to me this. God said to me that. Said to me this. And 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 I kind of get jealous because I don't know. Maybe I'm not listening properly. I mean, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm trying my best to listen to what he's saying to me through the situations around me 
through the people around me that I can trust, through the scriptures, through songs maybe, or just through, you know, like when you're walking the dog and someone pops into your mind and you think, oh, I should give them a call. You don't know why, but you just do. And it's just a really perfect timing call. Those sorts of things. But not all the time. Not like a, you know, 24-7 conversation. There's people out there like that, I guess. But anyway, good on them. I'm encouraged by Abraham because Abraham's conversations with God were like 20 years apart. <laughs> but we read the Bible and it looks like they're just really close together, but they're not. They actually, there's a lot of distance between conversations. But Samuel, all right, so have your Bibles open at 1 Samuel 3. And we're going to look at how, I believe, Samuel got a message from God. Why did God speak to Samuel and not say Eli? or Hophni, or Phinehas? Why did God speak to Samuel and not, say, the king of Israel at that stage? Or or even his father Elkanah or his mother Hannah? Why did God want to choose Samuel? All right? Because I think God wants to choose Samuels in this generation to speak. First off, Samuel made himself available. He put himself in the presence as close as he could to God. He put himself close to the presence of God. All right? Now, the Bible tells us God's everywhere. God is everywhere, right? Psalm 139, God is everywhere. But to live in such a way that you're aware of his presence is what I'm trying to get at here, is that he is so present everywhere we go, but we kind of get a sense that he's more present at places where we feel good Sometimes he's actually really, really present when place, in places where we don't feel good. But he's actually just as present in all places we go to. What happens is our awareness changes of his presence. But Samuel physically put himself in the presence of God. Kids, stay in church. Like seriously, stay in church. We don't we have a policy. We don't want to grow our kids up in the church more than we grow them up in the Lord. We want them to grow up in the Lord, have their own relationship with the Lord. right? We don't want to just grow them up in the church, learn how to do church. This is how we sit. This is how we sing. This is how we whatever. We don't want them to learn how to do church. We want them to learn how to follow the Lord, how to seek the Lord, how to hear from the Lord. And if you, but, but if you put yourself in a position where there are other believers like that, that's good. Put yourself in the position. Make yourself available to hear from God. If you're going to choose to go to the nightclubs and go and get drunk or go and take drugs, you're going to take yourself away from that position where you're going to hear from God, just like Hophni and Phinehas, all right? The more you are focused on being in the presence of God, the more able you are to hear his voice speaking to you. James 4 verse 8. Anyone know how to quote that? Draw near to God and, and he will draw near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The implication here is get beside him and put your hand there and he will actually put his hand there and hold on. That's the implication of that actual Phrase, come near to God and he will come near to you. He's always there, but he's going to squeeze to remind you that he's near to you. All right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because it's not like God has to move somewhere. He's there. 
but you have to realize his presence. There's a little guy in the New Testament. There's a story, and he lived in Jericho, and he looks like Danny DeVito in my imagination, but his name is Zacchaeus. And um, you guys don't know who Danny DeVito You know that? Yeah, you do? Good. Danny DeVito, there he is. He's Zacchaeus. He hears that Jesus is coming to town. And Jesus is the very presence of God on earth, right? The exact representation of God's being, Jesus Christ. Everything you want to know about the Father, you just look at Jesus, and there it is. All right? And he's coming into Jericho, and Zacchaeus, he wants to see Jesus. He wants to get close to Jesus. Does he deserve to? No. He is a, he is a tax collector, which makes him a bad guy to everybody. No offense to tax collectors or accountants or whatever. I know they're different. But what he would do, uh, first off, he was a Jew. Okay, so he was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. There's some similarities. But as a tax collector, what he would do is he would he would pay taxes from Jews. He would pay the, the Jewish people's taxes to the Roman authorities. And now the Roman authorities might say, hey, Zacchaeus, this week it's going to be $20. And Zacchaeus would go to his Jewish friends, typically, and say, it's going to be $27 or $50 or $100. He could just name it. And they wouldn't even know what the authorities are saying. And they'd slow, tax collectors were known for ripping people off. So he was a disreputable person. No one liked him. He understood that. He probably didn't care. But he wanted to be in the presence of God. And so he found a tree and he climbed the tree. And guess who saw him? Jesus. Yeah. How many people were there that day? Lots. There was a crowd. There was a crowd in that. You can look it up. There was a crowd that day. I think it's Matthew 19. There's a crowd. And yet Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Why? Because he had a heart to get close to him. And what happened next? Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' home. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. You want to invite God into your home? You got to invite Jesus into your family, into your home, into the generations to come? Get close. Get close. Strive to seek to be closer to Jesus, to be closer to the presence of God in your life, to realize his presence. He turned up. Samuel turned up. He was there religiously in the temple near the presence. He turned up, continuously did it. It wasn't just a one-off thing. He was there. All right. The second thing is he was quick to respond. Okay. So um, you know the scenario. Sonia read it out for us earlier that um, Samuel's lying in bed. He hears his name being called out. So he gets up and he ran to Eli. He ran to Eli in the middle of the night. And he said, wake up. Did you want me? Put yourself in Eli's shoes. What would you do if someone did that to you in the middle of the night? Tell him to go away. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably knock him over the head before I regained consciousness from my sleep to start with. But, but Samuel wasn't seemingly thinking about that. He was actually... He heard his name called and he just wanted to be where he thought he needed to go. Maybe, maybe, maybe Samuel heard his name being called and he thought, 
like he, his brain was having a conversation with his spirit. Like his brain was saying, that's not Eli's voice. Oh, sorry. His spirit was saying, that's not Eli's voice. But his brain was saying, it must be Eli's voice. Like maybe something came alive in him when he heard the voice of God, which I'm pretty sure would happen. Because it's the same voice that spoke the stars into space and whatever became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. But I wonder if his brain and his heart were having a conversation. And so anyway, he but he was quick to respond anyway. He ran to Eli. It says that, doesn't it? He ran to Eli. Uh, he got up and he ran in verse 5. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And this happened how many times? Three times. Now then, then Eli, in my translation, Eli comes up with an amazing story that helps him go to back to sleep and Samuel pretend like he's got a relationship with God. Which is, you know, it's silly because it's not true. But Eli must be such a great guy to not be mean to Samuel. He must have been a pretty good role model, even if his sons were not so good. But Samuel, he comes to him the third time, and then Eli thinks to himself, oh, that's not. Yes, it must be. God's starting to talk again to people. Cool. I remember when that happened. Did you ever do that? You read the Bible and you see God talking to people and you think, wow, wouldn't it be cool if that happened again? People having visions, wouldn't that be cool if that happened again? People getting healed and being risen from the dead, wouldn't that be cool if that happened again? You know, we kind of read like it's history. It's ancient history. So Eli's in this temple worshipping God and, wow, God, God must be starting to speak to us again. Cool. And so he says to Samuel, next time it happens, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel, one, made himself available. Two, was quick to respond. He ran, right? You hate slow walkers, but can walk faster. Like, walk fast. Like if you're at work... Walk fast. Your boss will notice. <laughs> Just do it. Walk fast. Quick to respond. So when God speaks, even if you don't know it's his voice, if your heart comes alive, it might be his voice. Be quick to respond. Here's just one example from my life, and it's not boasting by any means, but it's just it might help. I'm driving from where we lived in Tarlee, to Newcastle at like 10 o'clock at night and I'm driving the car and I get to the um, the intersection of the highway and the road that goes into Tarlee, which is the Bible college we went to. And I'm, I'm about to turn left and there's this little old car parked on the right-hand side of the road, windows up, looked a bit shady. Now that area has been known for being shady place. I, I used to ride my bike up and around the bush area. There'd be burnt out cars. There'd be little bits of drug items and things like that and so and you know it's a shady it could be a place it could be a shady thing so i didn't stop i turned left and i continued on to go into newcastle to the um, evangelism you know street thing that we were doing and looking after homeless people and 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 so that was really great mission you know i was heading to serve the lord and as i was driving 
on the highway, my heart was saying, take the exit and turn around. Go and see that car. And my head was saying, it's a shady area, Lord. That's not really a good thing to do. But my heart kept getting louder and, and, it, and it just wouldn't leave me alone. So I thought, I'll, I'll respond to that. So I did. I took the exit and I turned around and, and I went up to this car and I was really scared. But my heart was okay. And the window went down and it was this old man and he was really afraid and lost and he missed the turn. And I was able to help him to get back to where he should have gone on the highway, back to another town. And it was just like, it's just a small thing, right? It's a small thing to that man. But for me, that was a big thing because it was one step towards listening to how God speaks to me. Because he'll speak, to, he speaks to you differently. All right? He speaks to through his word, obviously. All right. But his still small voice continues to speak. Jesus said in, in John 10, my sheep know my voice. Okay? So he wants to talk. Okay. And you'll you'll get you get used to how he speaks and then he'll change it up <laughs> and speak a different way. Because it's all about growing you to become more and more dependent upon him to hear him speak. Anyway, Samuel heard the voice, thought it was Eli, trusted his heart anyway, and, and responded. But then he listened to what Eli had to say. This is the third point. He was ready to listen. All right, he was ready to listen to the wisdom of others, okay? Others who have gone before him. Um, verse 8 to 10, 8b, 8 to 10 in chapter 3. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli re realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called uh, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. God knows your name and he knows how to get your attention. If your name is Moses, he'll do it with a burning bush. But he knows your name and he knows how to get your attention. And when you're in a place where it's kind of weird, but you feel like maybe God's trying to get my attention, he probably is. He really probably is. Go with that. Be ready to listen. And listen to the people around you too. Listen to the wisdom of those that you, could, you trust as well, who follow the Lord as well. God knows your name. But this thing here, this 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 which I think is really important for young people that want to hear the voice of God, is you've got to be teachable. You have to be teachable. You have to be ready to listen, which is teachable. Teachability. To listen to what other people have to say about their relationship with God. There might be really important information that can help you go into the next chapter of your life with him and learn something more about him. And maybe hear his voice a little more clearer each and every day. He tried it anyway. Samuel tried it anyway. He said, okay, speak. Your servant is listening. Did you notice that? It misses the word Lord. When Samuel tried it, he didn't say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He said, speak, your servant is listening. Like, I'm not sure if it's the Lord, but I'll try this anyway. And it worked. And God probably just thought, I don't care. You call me whatever you like. I want to, I've got a message that I've got to deliver. And you're the person. All right. And then so Samuel then ended up delivering lots more messages. You can read about him 
He delivered lots more messages on behalf of God to people because he was available, he was quick to respond to what God was saying, and he was teachable and ready to listen. It's really important traits to have. Put yourself in the presence of God as much as you can each and every day. Put aside things. Make sure your relationship with God is first and everything else can just wait. Be quick to respond to what God's saying through through your home, your own Bible readings or your prayer time and respond to him. He wants a conversation. And um, always be ready to listen to um, the wisdom of others as well. And Samuel just basically just kept these three steps going and his whole life and God used him mightily, as he will with, with you and I as well. But if you're a Hannah tonight, you've been praying for a Samuel or you've, been, you've got a Samuel, your kids, hand them over to God. Let's, let's just do that. We're going to hand over our kids to God, the unsaved ones. We're just going to trust God's goodness to bring them home to him. All right? If you're a, um, hopefully there's no Phineas's or Hophneys here tonight, but if there are, you've got to repent. If you want to hear God's voice clearer, more you know, clearer, and have a relationship with him, you've got to repent and turn from your sin. If there's an Eli here tonight, we just want to thank you for all the hard work you're doing. <laughs> but let the young people, if they, if if God wants to use them, let them let them learn. Let's let let's give them responsibility. Let's help them, encourage them in their relationship with Jesus. I think that's all I've got to say. Why don't we just pray? Yeah, God, we just thank you that you do have a plan. And your plan in this situation involves a child that was given as a promise and that was laid, laid at your feet, I guess, in the temple. Uh, last week, Lord, we looked at um, the, the concept of what's in your hand. Thank you, Lord, for that message, uh, that little boy with the small loaves and fishes and, and the illustration of Moses with his staff in his hand. And, Lord, here is Hannah. What's in her hand? You've given her a son. And yet she's given her back, given him back to you to use. And, and Lord, we just want to pray, Lord, for our kids, uh, not just our kids from our church here, but our kids that are our own children. Uh, whether they know you or not, Lord, we just we place them at your feet, and we know that you're good and you are God. We pray that you would use them, that God, that they would have, that they would have an encounter like Samuel, individually have an encounter like Samuel that they would even put us to shame in our relationship with you by turning to you and seeking you more and more in their lives, turning from what's not your way to turning to your way. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for that. Uh, we pray, Lord, for our young people here tonight, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to guide them closer to you, to be closer with you, that they might look for places in their life where Maybe, you, maybe you're not number one and that would change that, that they would put you first in that relationship, that they'd put you first in that, in that job, that they'd recognise that you're with them at school, uh, uh, Lord, you're with them at home in that difficulty, whatever it is, we pray, God, that you'd bless them, God, with the awareness of your presence with them, God, every single step that they take. We pray that, Lord, you would speak clearer, more clearer to each one of us, God, as we live our lives in faith with you. We know, Lord, that there are times... There are people, sorry, that are, have the gift of prophecy and that, and that can hear you. And, Lord, we know that there are times where we just can't hear you. And we just want to thank you, God, that we can still trust your love in those situations. Thank you that we've got the Bible, 
that we can read it and allow you to speak through the Bible. We thank you that we've got people around us that have experience with you. Help us to be teachable, Lord, to them. And Lord, also help us to be teachable with the young people too, if they've got ideas. Give us hearts that aren't proud, but uh, that are tender to what you're doing in our midst. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 